moving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that never ever strays from a paved road. My name is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're taking our final trip into the mouth of March Madness mm-hmm. as we welcome members of the Modern Horrors and the From and Inspired by Podcasts to help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 2007 bracket. But before we get into that, gang, let me remind you, we are part of the ever-expanding Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your millennium hole. As it works, man. So, this is technically our final descent. Right. Into the mouth of March Madness, mm-hmm. the little tournament that we put together that started in March and got help us for uh, almost into June at this point. But to kind of give you an update of what's been going on here in the round of the Frightful Four, so our final four films, three fourths are filled. Yes. And with many upsets, many, many, many upsets, ups and downs, upsets. It's been surprising, actually, because my original bracket is not looking at all like mm-hmm. what has finally come through here. So starting out in 1977, last week's episode, we actually had the big upset. I would say it's a huge upset yeah. as uh, Martin took the spot for 1977 versus, versus Suspiria versus Suspiria. Yeah. So that was a huge upset. And again, we love Suspiria, but mm-hmm. Martin made its way through there. And then in 1987, it mm-hmm. came down to Clive Barker's Hellraiser and Chuck, uh, Chuck, uh, Jesus Christ, Russell, Chuck Russell's the Nightmare Chuck on Russell Street. <laughs> Thinking of the blob next year, right. uh, but Dream Warriors. Uh huh. And Dream Warriors. And then finally, in our '97 bracket, it came down to Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. And then what was Event Horizon going up against? Wishmaster. Yes. And so, as it turns out, you don't need eyes to see into the round of the Frightful Four. Yep. Event Horizon went forward. So we so got, we got three out of the Frightful Four. So now we're we got that last one. And so, who is going to be taking the final spot in the Frightful Four and compete against these horror classics? Well, that's what we're going to find out in today's episode. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we are bringing in our final guest from the Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, they take a weekly look at some of the newest films that horror has to offer, as well as keeping you up to date on all the new horror highlights. Welcome to Nightmare Junkhead for the first time from the Modern Horrors podcast, Luke Rodriguez and Jacob Hopkins. Fellas, how are you guys? I'm doing good. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Uh, this is always something that we enjoy doing uh, because we have like six listeners on our show. So anytime <laughs> that we can go to another show and uh, maybe you know, get at least a couple of six more, at least uh, we're in a good spot. I think we've got at least a baker's dozen. Yeah. Yeah. We love to hear each other talk. So that's why we do it every week. It's just so we can talk back and forth. And a little intimidated by how professional you just guys just open that thing up because, uh, that doesn't happen on our show. Oh, no. Are you kidding? That's <laughs> what I love about the uh, kind of the diverse content, because you guys also have had, in terms of the cross-pod nation, you have uh, Carly and Amy on the Final Girls podcast a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We uh, do some cross-pollination with those ladies as well. Uh, yeah. Oddly Just tell them we said that. It's, sure. It is. It's, uh, yeah, now, now I'm going to Grease 2's reproduction, unfortunately. We're going to get sidetracked really easily here. Uh, but before we get into all of that, guys, uh, please tell our listeners, where can they find you guys on the social media? Uh, plug, promote the podcast, websites, take it away. Yeah, so we're on uh, everything that you've got, basically. So uh, on iTunes, uh, the Modern Horrors podcast is there. Twitter, at Modern Horrors. Instagram, at Modern Horrors. We're, we're super inventive with all that stuff. 
Uh, but yeah, any, anything that has a tag on it, we're at Modern Horrors on there. Uh, any third-party podcast app that you might have, uh, we're, we're, we're there, the Modern Horrors podcast. Uh, as well as, of course, the, the main website, The Hub, uh, that us and a staff full of writers work so hard to maintain. It is uh, modernhorrors.com. Can't find it on social media. It's over there. <laughs> you, you say, no, that's just branding consistency. That's about as smart as you get. So you mentioned the website itself and kind of the podcast, I believe, is kind of an offshoot of that. So how did the um, the actual website, Modern Horrors, come together? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, ja- I mean, this was on Jacob, to be honest. Uh, we, we we kind of worked together. Along, when I was in high school, we worked at the uh, local radio shack in a small town called Shelbyville, Tennessee. And uh, he was my uh, manager at the time, or pretty fucking close, if, if nothing else. And uh, we kept in touch over the years. And one day he was like, hey, man, what about if we started this horror podcast? And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, because I think we had both kind of been listening to podcasts, him more so than me. And we just weren't really liking the horror stuff that was out there. I mean, not to shit on anyone, but like I had tried listening to like the Dread Central podcast and uh, – a couple of the other big mainstays that had come and gone, but nothing with really great consistency or anything at the time. And that uh, we just weren't happy with any of that. And just, you know, frankly thought we could do it better. Yeah. And I didn't have the, uh, I knew the conversation cause we were both super horror fans, at least the new stuff. And a lot of people kind of show the new stuff. So I was like, let's take that angle, but I don't have the technical know-how to make it all happen. But <laughs> it turns out Luke is a major audiophile. He loves all this tech shit. This is what he does for a living. Basically. So I'm like, A, he's got the know-how. B, he's got the uh, fanaticism. But then he hits me with, what if we make a website as a landing page? And I was like, well, I, I guess. I was like, I don't know how to make a website. He's like, I don't either. But uh, by God, in one weekend, he sat there and he learned how to make a website. And uh, <laughs> after three days, he emerged from his cave and he had a functioning website. And we just put our nose to the grindstone and spent like a week cranking out about three months worth of content. Yeah, I mean, we thought it was really important that if we were going to launch something and, and make it be a real launch and make it seem like a brand that's worth supporting and worth paying attention to, uh, we didn't want to launch naked, basically. So we spent so <laughs> much time, like Jacob was saying, uh, you know, curating months worth of posts, but doing months worth of posts in two weeks, right? <laughs> and uh, that way, whenever the site went live, we went to Reddit Horror and some of these other places to sort of get traction. We did some giveaways. And, uh, you know, when people went there, it wasn't like, oh, like, you, this, this looks pretty, but you've got two posts. Like, no, we had pages and pages of shit that people could dig into and a fucking podcast, which was what this was all supposed to be in the first place anyway. Nice. That is. Well, you've got a good uh, good chemistry on the podcast, first off. Uh, it's one I do really enjoy listening to. Um, so that being said, just in terms of you talked about how the pod- podcast came together. What was it that got you into horror? What was, you know, was it a movie? Was it a book? Was it a cousin? You know, what, what was the, what was your gateway into the world of horror? So some people out there may think it's a little odd. Um, maybe not. I, I feel like some, a lot of people have the same experience, but like at age two, my mom was exposed to me <laughs> to horror films. And uh, she, she swears to this day that uh, I'm the reason that the poltergeist VHS tape we had uh, got worn out because at age two, I would just watch it, rewind, watch it, rewind, watch it. And, and it was kind of at that moment that I kind of fell in love with this because it was all these fantastical things that she would explain to me that they're not real. But that just intrigued me more. It was like, as a two-year-old, you know, like, if it's not real, then how the hell is it on the TV? <laughs> right. And then, you know, my grandma was into it. And we'd have, that was really the only thing me and my grandma on that side bonded with was horror films. And we would stay up watching super schlocky shit that I don't even remember the names of, but, you know, I think some of this crazy dentist shit that was back in, like, the 
like hey, Doctor Giggles, come yeah, on, man, that's, yeah, that kind of shit. So we watched a lot of that, and uh, that's kind of what got me started into it. I love yeah, the fact. Yeah, so me, uh, pretty similar story, I guess. So I was. I mean, I would I would say rose by my grandmother, but I was rose by like a single mother and a bunch of gay black dudes, uh, which makes me an eclectic motherfucker. I that, guess that's a sitcom right there. My God. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I spent most of my time growing up with my grandmother, and my grandmother was like the original, like the OG VHS, like deck to deck pirate, right? <laughs> so we would go to video stores and just get all of these old school movies and like. My grandma would be chain smoking in the background, and it was me and my brother just, you know, manning these, you know, uh, these two VCR decks trying to copy these shits over. So while doing that, because it was a live fucking process back then, you, you had to sit through these movies and actually watch them. Yeah. So while, we basically had like a little child horror copyright uh, sweatshop. side project. It's sweatshop, yeah. Right. <laughs> these VHS need to be on the blockbuster shelves by noon in Beijing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly how it was, man. She had these uh, big notebooks alphabetized uh, with different letters because, you know, VHS tapes, you could get like four movies on one like 12-hour VHS tape. So uh, they were alphabetized and numbered and Damn. ordered, and it was it was really cool. Super illegal, but really cool. <laughs> so, most most things are illegal and super cool. Anything that's going to leave a lasting memory like that, you want to make sure it's illicit and illegal. <laughs> it's like, you know, normally like, my family's been bootleggers for generations and I'll be goddamned if we're going to stop now. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, there's something really charming about the fact that you were both, um, and just in terms of the formative horror years, were put onto that through your grandmothers. And speaking of someone that was also largely raised by his grandma, my grandmother and my mother took me to go see Gremlins in the theater back. And I'm a little older, so you know this is back in '84. But my poor grandma, by the time the little the, the Gremlin went through the blender and the microwave, you know she looked over at me. And she's like, "What the hell are we watching here?" Because she, I don't think she, unlike your guys' grandma, wasn't cool and hip to the stuff. But I love the fact that that was kind of your entryway into that and i mean obviously jacob with poltergeist come on now right. that's one of the best ones to be raised up on so are you afraid of clowns uh, oddly enough it didn't really scare me at the time Good. but uh it's like one of those like long-term kind of effects it's slowly built i wouldn't say i'm afraid but like i'm not gonna have that clown doll sitting in my bedroom by any means that shit's no go, no go. Exactly. Fuck all that noise. <laughs> it's been a long burn when it comes to that one there. there. There's not a lot of presents you really want to give back, especially if your family gives it to you, but that's fucking one of them. Like, I hope you got the receipt because I ain't keeping this. So. <laughs> so one of the other things that we've been doing with our Phantom Podcast guest here is trying to incorporate some element of your show into this one just so that our listeners can get a taste, an idea of what you guys do. And I mentioned the, uh, the tangents you guys can go on. And a lot of that, at least my favorite ones come from your news segment just in terms of uh you know looking at what's going on in the world of horror and again the fact that you guys focus on modern horror that right there in the uh the namesake i think is important because as you mentioned a lot of people do shit on it so um i thought we would go ahead and we would go to the news feed and bring in some newsworthy items here that we normally don't do on nightmare junkhead but they do this every week on modern horrors so make sure to check it out so the first thing and i thought the way i would open up because it's appropriate we're talking about two 2007 with our bracket is the uh the mist which was a casualty from 2007 and yes. genius you're having i'm having i guess buyer's remorse on it because like i mean i and we'll get into it when we yeah. talk about wrong turn too uh but i thought it was appropriate because it's actually getting a tv series which is weird 
It's well, and I'm curious. But, so, um, I want to just put it, put it out to you guys, uh, Jacob and Luke. Have you guys seen any of that, and what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, fortunately, we're lucky enough to have like a Spike TV rep, so we've gotten all kinds of shit on this one sent over. Nice. And uh, I could not like I, the Mist movie was cool, I guess. Thomas Jane kicks ass. <laughs> the ending is a kick in the balls, but uh, this show intrigues me far more than the movie ever had a chance of doing. Like this looks, I, I mean, I think I think it looks really exciting uh, and, and different, more action packed than I would have expect. Uh, it's one of those movies or universes that you can't. Oh, I wouldn't have been able to imagine like extrapolating that out over like a long period of time, especially multiple seasons. But they might have something here. Yeah, I'm a big fan of The Mist, at least 2007. Uh, maybe not the biggest Thomas Jane fan, but he fucking rocks in this one for sure. And that ending is fucking one of the most memorable endings of any horror film, at least in recent memory. And I was also a little skeptical of how you're going to expand that that claustrophobic feel of being in the supermarket. But everything mm-hmm. I've seen so far it has got me hyped, and it looks like they're going to expand it out just past uh, just things in the mist. There's, there's other things happening going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that it's coming on Spike TV of all places, right? Because you think about Spike TV, and you're like, well, you know, how heavy of a titty does it take to crush a man's skull? <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's not the kind of thing you 36 associate pounds, with that. 36 but, pounds. 36 pounds. <laughs> He's got it. But they're going through this rebranding from Spike TV to the Paramount channel because uh, Viacom's going through oh. some shit. So I think that's pretty interesting that they're going to having this more mature esque, you know, type drama horror show mm-hmm. now that they're going through this rebranding. It's pretty cool. Um, that being said about rebranding and TV shows and connectivity and how to make this, what do you guys think about that Hulu Stephen King show they got coming out? Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people know that much about it, to be honest. I think it's interesting, the concept, uh, the connected universe, if you will. Everyone's mm-hmm. everyone's doing Ever, a goddamn yeah. connected universe now, so why not? Yeah, yeah, I mean, apparently Castle Rock, the name itself, has yeah. something to do within that universe, right? I'm not the biggest I'm, – I'm not so hip on all the connections. I know we have, like, a staff writer. I believe it's Megan who really into all the connections, and she tried to explain some of it to me, and I'm like – I'm lost. You <laughs> lost me after it and the stand, and now I'm out. Yeah, I mean, I'm down, but I, I don't. Oh, yeah, I'm down I have too. no idea what you're talking about. Cool. I don't know. I, I think there's unfortunately an over-reliance or an oversaturation of these shared cinematic universes now. But I For dig sure. the idea, especially because it's already the groundwork's already laid up in the book. Sure, so. but at this point with any Stephen King novel, we yeah. know it's going to have a great build-up and the ending is just going to fall flat. Let's hope it's, it's more stand than sleepwalkers. Very much so. so on that one. So the other thing that uh, came out recently, uh, just in terms of kind of going from the old to the new, is the David Gordon Green Halloween remake reboot call it what you will but they put out some of the promo art recently and it was very minimal it was very striking and you know we've talked a little bit about on the podcast in terms of our thoughts on that so i wanted to throw that out to you guys what are your thoughts on number one this i this whole idea is you know is it a remake or reboot and then did you have a chance to see the promo art what were your thoughts on that so we did talk about the promo art i I like the fact that it's minimalistic that's in my mind a good way to go Uh, we a lot of shots fired in our show at Rob Zombie. So if you ever come over and you're a big Rob Zombie fan, just prepare thyself for that. Yeah, uh, no, but we yeah. joked about all the fire in the flames and machine gun in hand, you know, like a damn Rambo <laughs> poster, which is cool if it's Rambo, not so cool if it's Mike. <laughs> but, you know, there was some questions, I think, with Danny McBride's in, in, involvement in all this jazz. I think after Alien Covenant, I wasn't the biggest fan of that. Luke liked it much more than I did, but I thought Danny did a great job. But he's using a lot of words that I like. He's talking about – he's being very honest about the ridiculousness of where the series went, where the franchise went. 
Yeah. And it sounds to me like he's just trying to pick up and give us a Halloween 2 that makes a lot more sense in conjunction with Halloween 1. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you visit the website at all, I mean, you'll notice that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of minimalism, uh, design. So I, I just... And I think that's part of what made the original Halloween so special in the first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back and look at it, I don't know if this was in Danny's comments uh, recently or not, but s- someone recently was like, you know, the problem is that in all the subsequent Halloween movies in the franchise, they treated it like it was a slasher movie or a slasher franchise. When in reality, like, that's not what Halloween was. Like, Halloween kind of kicked off all of that, you know, trend, yeah. especially in the United States. So, like, it was sort of in this universe all on its own, and it still kind of remains there, even though it kind of took this turn later on in the franchise. So, I'm, like Jacob, optimistic that McBride and and, and team seem to be going down this road of returning to whatever that subgenre may be, going back to that. I like what you guys are talking about. You guys are hitting everything home with the... With a no love, not no love, but not a lot of love for zombie and just taking it back to its minimal horror roots. So, yeah, I'm with you guys on this. See, and I'm going to be the buzzkill here because <laughs> Buzz I am totally buzzkilling. It's just for me. I don't know if I need another Halloween movie. Um, you know, the, we have the first one that exists. The sequel is a lot of fun. The third one batshit crazy the fourth right. one love it but after that once you get into the curse of the thorn and all that stuff Trick i just treat, think motherfucker. yeah so <laughs> exactly it just you look at that and go and where, where could we actually tap that create where could we put that creativity that they're putting into this new halloween what could we do differently i understand your caution man but it's, i gotta say i'm i'm cautious as well but optimistically cautious like that road looks dark and scary but i bet there's some cool shit in there too you know so yeah we'll so, see I actually went back this last week. I, I was perusing the aisles of Walmart, and I <laughs> found the entire franchise, every Halloween movie, including the zombie remakes, on Blu-ray for 40 bucks. So I was like, fuck it. I pick it up, and I spent like the last three days watching every single one of these movies. And uh, as a friend like me, I've, like if you were to ask me like, who my favorite like iconic serial killer you know, staple of horror is, I'd say Michael Myers without hesitation. But now that I've watched all those movies in, in quick succession – it's not a very good franchise, like by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. So Diminishing it has returns. to be better than what we've gotten recently. I can I can agree with Jeff that I don't think we need another Halloween <coughs> movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like it's going to happen one way or the other. So I would rather it be in the hands of somebody I, I, I feel yes. confident is going to respect it. And so that, I guess that's where my optimism comes from. I like the word respect. Uh-huh. I, I, I really think if, and I really think that they will treat it with respect. I mean, because they're not giving it to Michael Bay. No, so <laughs> yet, yet, right? I'm just waiting for that shot. Just, Trick or treat evolution. He like transforms into a jack o' lantern or slow-mo something. Slow mo bass drop. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other thing that uh, is getting ready to happen is there's going to be a Resident Evil reboot. And we don't talk a lot. We actually, we just guessed it on a podcast called Lost in Reviews, a uh, part of the Boom Howdy Network, actually, mm-hmm. which um, boom, boom and we had a chance to talk Alien Covenant, but they also did a little news thing and they talked about the Resident Evil reboot because I'm not a big fan of those films. Genius, I know you are. Yeah, I dig them. And dig so them a lot, that being actually. said, what are your guys thoughts on this whole Resident Evil reboot? Well, we had some uh, dissension amongst us on this one. <laughs> I, I am also not a fan of this at all. And I just don't care. Interesting that Mr. Wan wants to dip his hands in it. I get it. Dollar bills. Why not, right? But man, it's so played out. I can't even keep track of how many there are. In my mind, there's like four, maybe five, and I'm betting there's like eight or so. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I remember the first Resident Evil movie coming out and just being so excited, like so very, very excited. And then, you know, it starts and there's like lasers and like they're not in this haunted mansion. Like mm-hmm. it was nothing like I wanted it to be. And I was heartbroken. And as the as the years rolled by and the sequels kept coming and coming, uh, it kind of got further and further away from what I wanted it to be until it's just it's nothing more than an action movie. An- another fucking gun a drenched zombie franchise, right? Like right. I, that's not the thing that I need at this point. So the fact that Juan is coming in as a producer and maybe we don't know a lot about it. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think you guys, maybe, you know, some shit. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> that I'm not privy to, like, I don't know, but at least we don't know like what direction this is going to go, but I have a strong inclination that it's going to be much more fearful and much more, yeah. um, you know, scary. If it was like that newest Resident Evil game that just came out with, that shit would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think that proved that there's still life to be had in this franchise, both from gaming and film, uh, where, I mean, even the games are just as blown out and tired as the movies are at this point. And they got reinvented, so why can't the movies? So I really enjoyed Part 5, Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 4. Um, And, of course, 1 and 2 and 3 and all that good stuff. So, (laughs) (laughs) But that being said, also talking about video games, what do you guys think about um, Friday the 13th? So Luke's hopped on it. He's got to play a lot. I played early, uh, like, a little bit of the beta with him early on, but I haven't played it since it's actually launched. So, Luke, this is all you, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan. I mean, there's there's no question that uh, the server issues have, have, have been problematic for right. pretty much every console. That sucks. I, I understand that. But if you jump in private matches with your friends, which is how I'm going to play anyway, uh, it's an absolute fucking blast. I mean, I know some of the development team personally, so I'm, I might be biased here. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm just saying that they're, they're working very hard to resolve those. And at the core, underneath all the bullshit and headache, is a really, really fun game. Cool. Yeah, that's on my definitely my short list to get. Now, I, I, I'm not much of a gamer anymore, but you know, I used to play around and I play games here and there. And but I really want to check out that Friday the Thirteenth one. But I'm waiting for story mode and for all the bugs to get out. So it's gonna be a while, homie. I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> that's fine. A lot of people, I think, are in that boat where they used the game. We kind of got out of it. We don't really do it anymore. But we're all horror fans, so now we want to experience it. I think there are a lot of people that are going to jump on board once story mode actually eventually happens. Yeah. And you're talking to a guy. I'm also I'm not a gamer at all at at all except Galaga. Except for well, except for of course Galaga. <laughs> but like the closest I came to the Friday the 13th was that NES game. So I still kind of have that PTSD Ooh. just because <laughs> that shit was harsh, you know, when purple it's basically the oh yeah, beyond the purple jump shoot it was just like you and your friends are dead. It was just this total <laughs> Weird, like, oh, great, I'm going to become an existential philosopher now because of this Friday the 13th game because I can't go, you know, longer. It's awful. My only complaint with Friday the 13th, I've never played it, but my only complaint with it is that I can't kill Shelly. Fuck <laughs> Shelly. I would love to be able just to slice up fucking Shelly, man. You mean you can't do custom characterizations or anything like that? Uh, see, maybe, okay, if you guys have an in with the other uh, designers, if they can, like, do a special Shelly uh, character. Unlockable Shelly from part three, man. Fuck him. <laughs> Yeah, right now they're just trying to make picnic tables not float in the fucking air. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, they don't normally do that? (laughs) Oh, they've got What's-Her-Bucket from Part 7 in the area. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fucking carry, yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's a little all I had on the news on my end. Did you guys have anything that was uh, new and upcoming that you wanted to talk about at all? I mean, honestly, I I would feel bad if I didn't give it just one shout out on here. And that's this movie that we just got the trailer from. Uh, We just got some other material sent over minutes before we started recording here. 
And uh, it's a movie. Did you guys ever see that uh, that modern Gallo flick, uh, Francesca? No. no. Okay. Uh, so pretty badass. Uh, very very authentic to the old seventies, you know, Italian horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now the filmmakers from that, the Onetti brothers, have uh, re- released a new trailer at Cannes called uh, "What the Waters Left Behind." And if you haven't seen the trailer for this movie, you guys and anyone listening. Go watch the trailer for What the Water's Left Behind because it does not give a fuck. It, it was it was wild. Me and Luke normally watch trailers and we're kind of quiet until it's over and then we save our feelings for the actual podcast. But while we're watching that, we were both just call each other and go, what the fuck is going on? Well, I know it's what we're watching wild, after. It's a wild, wild ride. And you say it was the, the Arnetto brothers? Uh, Onetti. So uh, O-N... E T T I. Onetti. Okay, that's I love the see this is why I'm glad number 1 we had you guys on just because you can introduce us to because we're just a bunch of old fogies here, you <laughs> know. We're going to be telling you to get off our yard, turn down your, you know, <laughs> loud music and shit we don't understand. So I love being able to have that outlet and perspective that you guys bring here. Mhm. So that being said, uh, we are going to go in to the mouth of March Madness here, gang, and our last trip here, as it is, which is kind of weird, but we've got four films that made their way into the second round from 2007, and we're going to pair them up against each other, and those films are as follows. We are going to be talking 30 Days of Night, Mm -hmm. going up against Wreck. Yep. And then we have Trick or Treat versus Wrong Turn 2. So we will leave it up to our guest here. Uh, Guys, what, what pair... Uh, no, that's not going to sound dirty. What pair of films would you like to start with first? Luke, do you have a preference? Start at the top. Yeah, let's uh, let's go. Uh, trick or treat and was it trick or treat and wreck? That was the last one. Yeah, no, we can it was do trick or treat and wrong turn too. I thought the other one then. Okay, okay, so you want to do Thirty Days and Night versus versus Wreck? There it is. Yeah, that one. Okay. <laughs> so what? <are> those- <laughs> we're doing something here. I don't know what we're doing. Let fucking roll it. We'll do it live. I just Fuck made it. a we'll new fucking live. combination. <laughs> Option C, motherfuckers. Option C. Luke just comes on your show and just immediately shits on your combination. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, welcome our guest. You know, we didn't like this, so we went ahead and did that and that and that. We've, so we actually brought four more movies, yeah. right? From 2008. Fuck <laughs> your 2007. Uh, so you'll be in your green room if we if you if we need you, right? <laughs> 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 oh my god so yeah no um we talk about a little bit about the film in terms of uh, films that you eventually can kind of form relationships with uh we've taught we've actually had several that have come up through the years uh so far on this tournament so that being said between you know the, the four films that we're originally talking about but also <coughs> just in terms of any of the ones before do you have any kind of a relationship with these films or a lot of these first time watches you know what was going on with those yeah, I mean, I think the only one that I had, like, an actual relationship with, which sounds I intense, right. I guess, <laughs> uh, is uh, the Wrong Turn franchise as a whole. Like, I remember being a kid, and uh, my stepdad was actually the the manager for a, a video checkout. It was like a, a regional video rental store. And part of, you know, the perks of being a video <laughs> store manager is that you would get, like, sales discs and DVDs and shit like that. And one of those, uh, just to be like, hey, this movie's about to come out. Do you want your store to carry it? And one of those was Wrong Turn, the original one. And I just remember feeling like I was the coolest motherfucker alive that I was getting to watch Wrong Turn before anyone else. <laughs> uh, so that the franchise kind of has a special place in my heart for that one. Uh, and then, you know, Trick or Treat, just because... It was talked about for years and years and years and sitting on the shelf for so long until anyone got to see it. Uh, so that was a big deal, too. Yeah, I like Trick or Treat uh, for the reason that I, it's probably the only one that I revisit on a regular basis. I don't think it's by far a scary movie in any kind of way. But 
just kind of nails that spirit of Halloween. And so every year around Halloween, that's normally one I'll throw back on just for the spirit of it. Nice, and that's why that's why I had to inquire that before we got started because I love the just the little elements like that. And I, you talk about I grew up with some cousins that worked at a video store, so I also had that membership had its privileges thing, yeah. which is why I ended up the way I did. So, right. uh, thirty days of night going up against wreck. Uh, we have basically vampires versus zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what I feel is just in terms of between the two, two of my favorite rewatches, I think, of this bracket, yeah, just in terms too. of those films. So throw it out here. Uh, Luke and Jacob, what do you guys think? Uh, let's start with 30 Days of Night. 30 Days of Night. Um, interesting, I thought, because I wasn't familiar at the time with the graphic novel and not really knowing that at the time. I watched it, I was like, it's an interesting way to do a film. Later I learned that it was based on a graphic <laughs> novel. And all of it made so much more sense to me. I'm like, ah, okay, I got it. Uh, from just a story standpoint, I like the fact that, hey, where would vampires go if they were in modern time? Well, they would go somewhere where it's fucking dark all the damn time and just wreak havoc. So pretty cool. You got your boy Josh Hartnett in there doing his Josh Hartnett thing. I can't really be mad about that. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, that one kind of bogs down somewhere around the end for me because I feel like it starts off super sharp. I like the, the weird gang of vampires talking in whatever jibber-jabber they're talking in. But yeah, just towards the end, it starts getting a little weird. And I guess maybe I, I can deflect that off of the fact that it is a graphic novel, so it makes more sense in that kind of format. And that they were fairly, to my knowledge, uh, true to the to the graphic novel. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm okay on it. Luke, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same way, to be honest. Uh, I, I remember this one coming out and really being excited to check it out. And I did, and I thought it was okay. But right. with yeah, I've actually gone back and revisited it a couple times. And every time I go back, I think I like it a little bit more, yeah. uh, which is interesting. It's got a good re- – that's, that's weird. It's a weird one because it has a good re- uh, review quality to it in yeah. some way, somehow. And, and the whole idea, like you were saying, uh, you know, where, where would vampires go you know, right. to be safe? I mean, this makes sense. Uh, there's some really fucking cool shots, like aerial shots whenever they're first wreaking havoc throughout the town. And like, because mm-hmm. everything's so white and the snow is everywhere. And these aerial shots, you just see red spurts going everywhere. Like, really, really cool stuff there. Uh, the main uh, vampire guy, the whole, you know, no god line oh, is super, good super good. Yeah. yeah, the vampires are actually scary in this one. They don't sparkle. Yeah, right. I mean, thank God. Or, and, and they're not wearing like tuxedos and shit. Like, well, true, you, you know, yeah. so it's, I don't know. I, I really liked pretty much everything about this movie except all of it if that makes sense you know like something about the way that it ended the way that all of these elements that i like tie together just didn't really work for me um like like the uh the heavy set fellow with the long hair he's like i can kill anything like motherfucker relax like no you can't um so i don't know just weird like all the characters weren't super likable or anything so i don't know it just wasn't enough character development Maybe, but even if there were, I don't know if that would have really mattered. Okay, fair enough. I'll agree with you on that one. That definitely. I'll I'll agree with you on a lot of those things, but I gotta like sell some kudos on this one. This one is such a. It's it's you're you're 100 right. It's a grower, not a shower. It's just the more you watch, <laughs> the more you watch it, the the better it gets. And I was fortunate enough to one to see it in the theater. And after this whole like sparkly vampires thing, this was a breath of fucking fresh air for a horror fan to see vampires fucking shit up on a new movie. Um, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give, keep giving it kudos until I have to shit on it for a second. So, um, the two scenes of carnage 
the one where the vampires were taking out the town and then when the big bear dude comes and like fuck shit up with a thing those were fucking things of beauty they were just masterfully shot stark contrast and that's just the violence on par with anything that i've seen in a while it was just such good gore that being said my main issues with it one um <laughs> it's so simple it was almost one of those why the fuck has this not been made before premises like you said and they're not in tuxedos i think there's no trash like Euro trash. So <laughs> I I think they're just Euro trash vampires on like holiday. And so they're like, all right. And they're like, just wanting to fuck shit up. Um, my problem with Josh Hartnett, he has too such of a, too much of a baby face that I didn't take him seriously at the beginning until he looked grizzled after they've been a while. And he's like growing facial hair and he looks more like, okay, you're an adult. Now I can follow you. You know, not to say the fact that you have to have a beard for me to be like, okay, you got a point. But at the same time, you look like you're fucking 12 and you're the sheriff. Okay. My other beef was, God damn it. That ending made me mad. Yeah. I was super pissed at that ending to the point where like, man, fuck, you know? So, but other than that, those are my only main complaints. It, it was I thought it was very scary, very effective, and the vampires were spot on. So, yeah, I'm glad you all touched upon the fact that it really did inject some liveliness or scariness in the vampire genre. Mm-hmm. You know, in the 80s, we had just some phenomenal uh, yeah. examples mean of, evil vampires. And then as they unfortunately though, you got the more the young adult audience coming in with Twilight. They got defanged. To the yeah, very much to the point there there's a, a release of Near Dark on Blu-ray. And they actually had uh, Adrian uh, Pazdar, the the, lead, the the main guy in it, mm-hmm. and on the cover, just like pale, looking so <laughs> like what's that? Edward. The, yes, Edward. Oh, it's it's just insulting almost. So this was definitely something that I think <laughs> we needed around that time. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's definitely it's a mean movie. Yeah. I mean, bottom line, this is something you don't watch to feel good about, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And I think because it doesn't have that that vibe of I can just throw this on at any time. I disagree. Or, you, okay. I disagree with the not throw it on anytime. I think this is a good movie. This is I said it before. This is one that you can sit and watch and actually enjoy and, and sit around. Or if it comes on sci-fi, which it does a lot, you can watch it then or just have it on in the background. I think this is a good overall movie. I'll so. listen to that. I'll listen to that. So we go from vampires into what can be argued as zombies or maybe possessed people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Wreck. So let's throw it out. Uh, Jacob, Luke, what are you guys' thoughts on Wreck? Wreck is one of my, I guess, favorite found footage films. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I don't know. I really like this one just because it had a really solid impact on me the first time I watched it. I, I think I walked into like the the Hollywood video or whatever because those things used to exist back in the day. Um, and I had no idea what the fuck it was. I just knew it was a foreign film. Never heard anybody else talk about it. I was like, ah, I give it a go. I've got nothing else going on tonight. And I was like, holy shit, this is a really intense, <laughs> good movie. Full disclosure, though, Jacob has a raging hard on for Spanish horror. <laughs> well, and that is absolutely true. Like Luke, he, he his is the, the French films. Mine is the Spanish shit. So. Already had brownie points for me right then and there. Right. But this, I thought, did a really good... Shows you how you can do a found footage film. Have the found footage aspect make sense. Mm-hmm. The zombies were a little bit different. Uh, I think to anything that I was really kind of exposed to. Because I was kind of into zombies at that time. I, now it's so played out, it's, it's hard to admit that you even remotely like a zombie film. <laughs> um, 
but you know that ending too like there's the night vision and you know people being drug out of frame i mean it was great now since then the franchise is spiraled wildly out of control i think there's wreck four now which yep. is on a boat totally unnecessary and even if you you know if you, you can't do I, i'm not i'm not an advocate of this but if you can't do subtitles you could watch quarantine and get the same film you're just not gonna get the same punch but man i as a zombie film i love this one as a found footage film love this one yeah i mean i think jacob and i are in the minority in a lot of areas in the in the horror genre and uh you know publications uh but probably the biggest one is we kind of really like found footage movies uh in all shapes and sizes budgets and constraints (laughs) whatever like we're just into them uh and this is one of those movies one of the maybe not first ones but definitely one of the first ones uh that that packed the punch that this one did and sort of have like found footage but also like really strong uh, like a really strong visual aesthetic, aesthetic and production value as well, uh, and have like decent acting as well, and a story that kind of meant something and did more than just hey, this thing is it go bump in the night and here's a fucking static camera shot for mm-hmm. thirty seconds. Uh, so it did a lot of things originally <coughs> that other guys weren't doing before it, uh, to the point to where they felt like they needed to remake it in English, uh, which is usually a sign that you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm still holding out hope we don't get a Train to Busan you know, remake here in the U.S. Oh, oh it's, it's it's one thousand percent going oh, down, boy, like confirmed. Yeah. It's happening. Ugh, that's a shame. Oh, no, actually, you guys talk about your love of found footage films. I think that's actually refreshing because. Um, this one actually battled up against Paranormal Activity, and I'll admit it was my first time watching Paranormal Activity for this whole thing, and I had such a good time watching Paranormal Activity, even just by myself, which I really wanted yeah. it a shared experience, but I think that they're two good examples of what you can do with the found footage genre and inject something fresh into it. Yeah, and I do not like found footage films, but I really fucking love Wreck. Um this movie is so good. It's almost like 30 Days a Night. The premise is so simplistic, and both are very minimal when you think about it. I mean, it wreck way more than the other, but it just builds such tension and dread, and it's it's definitely scary. And that, that reporter's a treat. I ain't even going to lie. She's party. She's party. <laughs> Take a drink. Um, <laughs> but you want to talk about a contrast in endings then, just in terms of yeah. going from both films. You've mm-hmm. got one that definitely is more, eh, and then another one's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Now, this one, it, it, and you know what? It makes perfect sense. And I think one of my main problems with found footage movies is like, why the fuck are they doing this? You know? But here, it's, it works. The story sets itself perfectly for just the invasion that you're trapped in your own home and with demon zombies i mean (laughs) so yeah no fucking wreck is great uh yeah like you said even without the subtitles you can watch it and still get the gist of it and so and you know what i ain't even gonna lie i I enjoyed quarantine so uh, (laughs) i think that's good because many people can maybe backwards engineer it so that's hopefully what does happen unfortunately you know because i think it's important that when we do have these elements of international horror in the bracket you know Mm -hmm. we did have argento suspiria um because you are getting that other perspective and they're putting something fresh into what is a very still genre what can be a very still genre both found footage and zombies so i think wreck really just in terms of um was it a uh, Wame Bulgaro and Paco Plaza? But they did. I just thought it was phenomenal. So that being said, to the ringer, one of these guys is going down here. So we've got vampires going up against the zombies here, and we've got two elements of criteria that we're utilizing in terms of to see who goes next. So that being said, we're basically going to have you guys think with both your heart 
and your head. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start closer to the heart, much like Getty Lee and Rush. Closer to the heart. So of the two films, which one for you guys, and I'm going to put it out to uh, Luke and Jacob first, but which one is gives you more of the nostalgic feels? You know, Which is the one that you can go back to? Almost like which one is your comfort food? If I'm being very, very, very unfortunately honest with myself, <laughs> when I'm thinking, I'm putting my rose-tinted glasses on right now, I would probably honestly think 30 days of night first. Oh, it pains me a little bit. But yeah, I, I guess, yeah, if we're doing that, if we're doing it that way, that's what I'm going to have to go with. No, that, you couldn't. particular version. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree there as well. I remember the trailers. I remember the TV spots and looking up, you know, different stories online when I was just a young lad at the time. And uh, yeah, like I, I remember everything about that movie. I remember getting legitimately excited. So as far as like my heart and what do I have an attachment to? Yeah, that one. Okay, we got the two for 30 Days a Night. Genius, how about yourself? Okay, so I saw 30 Days a Night in the theater. And like I said before, it's one that I can put on and watch when it's on sci-fi, even though I really never fucking watch movies on sci-fi when they're edited. But I can sit and watch it. Um, I can have it in the background or I can actually enjoy it and ingest 30 days a night. I probably could with Wreck, but jumping in certain scenes would be a lot more difficult. So I got to go with 30 days a night on this one. All right, and I'm going to actually, the only reason I'm going to defer from that is I didn't see either of these in the film, but or in the theater, but in terms of the ones that I've enjoyed more over time, like I said, both were good rewatches, but I'm going to go ahead and say Wreck for me. Now, that being said, here's where we go from the heart to the head. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm posting, posing to you guys. If you took one of these films away, either 30 Days of Night or Wreck, which one would leave 2007 poorer? without its existence which one would just without without with if we didn't have it in 2007 you know which is going to be the worst one so again going from the heart to the head i'm going to lay it out to our fellows the the gentleman from modern horrors what do you guys think so i mean you know 30 days of night is, is a staple name i think a lot of people know that anybody who's a fan of the genre knows that but honestly i think rick probably got a little bit of a bigger impact once again, we, we all I agreed that it kind of freshened up that found footage. It freshened up zombies or whatever the hell you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, hell, like we were talking about they made an English remake with Quarantine. There was no, you know, let's keep the 30 Days of Night thing alive. There's, yeah, they made a shoot a sequel. Yeah, they made a sequel. Ah, come on, there's four wrecks, man. There's four <laughs> wrecks. I mean, they're not good, but there are four of them. I don't know. There's just, overall, my it's just, a, to me, a better film overall. My The impact that's not related to the heart the feelings the nostalgia just better with wreck so i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna go with wreck this round all right jacob yeah, with wreck on that I, one i mean i guess for the sake of uh, boring radio uh, i'm going to agree with jacob uh i mean if you take if you take wreck out i believe there's an impact because wreck is one of those movies that proved uh and there's only been a small handful that really connected with a large mass audience i think wreck is one of those movies as long as those people We'll read subtitles uh, that that prove that found footage can be more than what you think it is. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, if you take away the 30 days of night movie, uh, you've still got the graphic novels. You've, you've still got this whole universe yeah. that exists outside of film. And that's still there for the people that needed that. Uh, if you take wreck away, I think you're I think you're missing something, a piece of and this is going to sound dramatic, maybe, but you're missing like a piece of found footage history. Yeah. Uh, that I, I that I truly believe shaped the way that that subgenre continued from that point forward. 
I, I gotta agree with that. There's no other argument I can say. Uh, wreck, like you said, it can bring people who normally don't like foreign horror. They just like their horror American. It could bring them into something, you know, something foreign and even backwards engineering through quarantine. Like you exactly, you said, we have the comic books, we have the story, we have all this at 30 days a night. But if you take away wreck, you're taking away something, a whole franchise. And I'll even defend the sequels a little, actually. Even the Me last too. two. Me there. too. I'll defend them. I thought they were fun. They were bullshit and they were fun. So. And I think you got you all have hit this on the head just in terms of, yeah, one, you have a franchise, a yeah. legit franchise, and yeah. the other one comes from something else. So I'm going to go with Wreck as well. That being said, just in terms of pure numbers here, yeah. man. Rex, we almost I, sweeped it. It well, you know, you thirty thirty days. They, gave thirty a days lot put of up love. a good fight in the in the in the long run. I mean, but yeah, I, yeah. So I cannot uh, complain against that. So, who is going to go up against Rex? Then we've got two more films here. We're going to be looking at an anthology and a sequel. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious what you guys think here because we are we already know Luke has got a mat on for the Wrong Turn franchise. So I'm curious then your thoughts on Wrong Turn Two. Yeah, so um, I, I do. I have a hard on for the original Wrong Turn movie, <laughs> and I have a hard on for I think it was part three with Henry Rollins. No, um, uh, yeah, was that part two? Yep, yeah. that's two. Oh, like with the game show scenario, mm-hmm. or something yeah. Like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, this movie kicks ass then, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was wishmaster 2 you were thinking of i think that was last <laughs> week or, or planning or anything like that uh anyway like yeah i mean this one was a really fun movie uh but that's that's the kicker right is uh wrong turn the original one wasn't a fun movie right mm-hmm. like it was this very like dreadful despair smoking hot elijah <laughs> Dishku, or whatever Fuck, name was. yeah um it just just like a really tense movie and then with the with the follow-up they really changed gears a little bit. I think is this the one that has like the like one of the coolest kills ever? The 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 axe down the middle and the uh-huh. legs fall right on at both the beginning. Sides. Yep. Yeah, I mean, how fucking cool is that, right? But that's that's kind of part of where they 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 switch gears on us a little bit, and we kind of went a little bit more cheeky. But for this franchise, I feel like that kind of works. Okay. Well, see, I had an exact opposite uh, experience, I guess. Wrong turns never really been. I don't know, my thing. I just never really enjoyed the franchise per se. <laughs> and it's weird because, like, we just talked about two movies that were in the same year, but, like, when I look at them compared to Wrong Turn 2, it's like yeah, amateurs and professionals is what I'm seeing here. And there is some fun here. Too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Henry Rollins is awesome. He's a very believable badass anytime <laughs> he's a badass. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a problem. I love that the one dude's got the uh, the Battle Royale t-shirt on. That's fun. Um you know, everybody's rocking. Like, I had it. I rewatched most of it. I couldn't make it all the way through. I'm not going to lie, guys. I couldn't make it. But uh, there's a lot of nostalgia with the, the technology. The, the chick's yeah. rocking the old Bluetooth. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the gigantic head cameras. So, yeah, you're right. It's a lot of goofy fun. And if that's what you're looking for, you're going to get it with this one. But just for me, I just have a hard time. Okay. So, it was going up against Mist. And it's Back, I, in the original first round. Yeah. And I think you had one that was like, man, I should have voted for that one. And I think this one was like, man, I should have voted for this one. I liked Wrong Turn, too. I thought it was a lot of fun. I didn't need to see so much gratuitous hillbilly fucking. No, you did, though. You did. <laughs> Deep down, you know, you yeah, did. Yeah, I kind of did. I just were a little, this is all over the map. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> no, um, I liked it. It was a lot of goofy fun. And it, it grew on me. It got... But at the same time, it, it just seemed very, okay, it's a 
not stereotypical slasher, but it was something fun and inventive, but yet, like, it, I've seen this. I've seen this numbers. movie before. So. Black guy was about as stereotypical as it gets. Oh, yeah, and I well, and that's the what's weird for me is this is the film that just in terms of all the ones that we had in two thousand and seven, this was one of those that was very much felt like more of a throwback to it the eighties. It was an old school one, which for sure. to kind of its detriment in some ways though, just in terms of not necessarily moving forward. Because here in two thousand and seven, I think one of the main things we have to look at is you know what's moving forward, what's you know the next thing that we're looking at, and this one definitely was looking back. So I mm-hmm. definitely understand yeah where everything's coming from with that one. So, um, but also I. Got to give a shout out to Joe Lynch. This was it his, was fun. His first film, and he hasn't been able to go back to the actual horror genre yet. Um, you know, Knights of Badassdom has some horror elements. Everly has some horror elements. I heard. Um, uh, oh shit! Good lord! Uh, the the last one he just did the uh, western. No, no, no. That no, was no. Um, West. Anyway, the uh, mayhem, mayhem. There we go. Ah. Heard it also has some horror elements, but I'd like to see him go back to a straight horror film, mm-hmm. just because I think he can do some stuff with it. But he, this one is totally. Let's have my fun throwback '80s film, yeah. and then so. But that being said, in terms of kind of something on the more serious side, Trick or Treat. What do you guys think? Because I know where genius lies on this one, so I'm curious. Were you guys thoughts on Trick or Treat? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I think I kind of touched on this earlier, but uh, Trick or Treat was one of those movies that I was reading about on IMDb, IMDb message boards for years like you know when is this movie gonna come out and then one guy would be like oh well, i saw a screening of it at you know xyz spot and uh, you know it wasn't done yet uh <laughs> it was just one of those movies that was almost like a, a myth a, a rumor if you will and then when it finally got a release date um you know i remember watching it and i'm not gonna lie like i was underwhelmed like i thought that it was going to be you know more horror if you will and it just wasn't Um, But again, kind of like with 30 Days of Night, the more I watch it, the more I fucking love this movie Uh, because you kind of just have to realize that it's not really trying to be a horror movie as we know it. Like Jacob said earlier, it's all about capturing that spirit and the essence of Halloween. And I think it does that maybe better than any other Halloween movie we have in the genre. Yeah, I'm going to echo basically everything Luke just said on that one. And I, man, I remember my first viewing as well. It was the same exact experience, you know. It was like I thought it was going to be very horror-esque. And it it wasn't. It was this more fun, playful kind of thing. And the very first Halloween that we had the website up, my wife's over. She's not big into horror films. Uh, The mother-in-law's over. She's also not big into (laughs) horror films. And I'm like, I've got exactly what you guys need on Halloween night. So I throw it on. I'm super excited. We watch it. They watch it very quietly with me, and it's over. And I look at them. I'm like, "What did you guys think?" And they're like, "Huh? So that's 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 one of your favorites, huh?" I was like, "Oh, oh, yeah." <laughs> and they're like, "It wasn't very scary." And I'm like, "It's not supposed to be." So you know, it gets, it, yeah, you know, it gets shit on a little bit for not having the the scares. But I don't know, just a soft spot in my heart for what it does. So you should have upped the ante and gone straight to Serbian film. Said, "Okay, exactly. fine." <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, if this is another bag, if that was your bag. Here's this. Um, this movie fucking sucks. It's uh, <laughs> it's derivative. It, no, I can't. I can't even say that with a straight face. I love this fucking movie so much. Um, the I. I Everybody who listens to the podcast knows my love. But once again, like you said, this is the first podcast. Might be for him. Anthologies are my jam. Anthologies, 
Um, and the fact of the matter, it just captures what it means to be Halloween. You know, whether you're the trick or treater, whether you're the one giving out the candy, whether you're the one telling the ghost stories, or whether you're the one being scared. There are rules and roles yes. that you fit into. Yes, exactly. This is the Halloween movie. That's not Halloween. Halloween. So. <laughs> I just can't rave enough about this movie. Every time we're at Vintage Stock, I'm like, Dustin, have you bought Trick or Treat yet? He's like, no, fucking do it. So, like, no, I I can't <laughs> recommend this movie to enough people. I just, it's so good. Well, I'm curious to find out just in terms of you guys, uh, Jacob, uh, Luke, you guys mentioned, you know, all the hype that we heard about this film. And this, there was. Yes. Uh, this one was heavily hyped. And we've talked about it before on the podcast that sometimes that hype and what you bring into the screening can really hurt you. So I'm glad that you guys were able to give this one, uh, obviously, a second, third chances, because this is one of those that's in my Halloween rotation mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it's it's fun. It's it's a, kind of an unconventional anthology yes. in terms of how it all ties together, which I really like. Yes, um, just adds so much more to it. And the fact that Michael Doherty, I mean, he's building his own cool little genre world as well. Um, no, this is definitely one that, in terms of going between the two, to me, there's no much of a. There's not going to be much of a contest, but. We've, we know we leave it, you know, we got to show our work we here. We got to put them through the ringer. So that being said, again, we're going to talk uh, going from the heart and the head. So I'm going to open it up to you guys here, uh, Jacob and Luke. In terms of the nostalgia feel going to the heart, which of the two, trick or treat or wrong turn, give you all the feels? I mean, without a doubt, it's got to it's gotta be trick or treat. I mean, at, at 1000%. Yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath, trick or treat all the way. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm going to have, and honestly, this is one I got to see in the theater, and there, that's for you me. You lucky bastard. Yeah, that no. is so cool. It was, it was good, and I staked out like an hour for the good seats. Uh, it was... Ugh. It was it was a journey. Yeah, yeah, no, it's this one was as soon as it came out the day of I bought it on it was in a month's buy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So instead, now let's look and again let's let's think mm-hmm. analytically here, gentlemen. We're thinking with our heads here. Uh, if you took either trick or treat or wrong two away, which would leave two thousand and seven poor. I mean, trick or treat, <laughs> you know, absolutely. I mean, wrong turn. It was, uh, you know, it, it was fun. It has its place, uh, but it's it's bubble gum. You know, it's it's nothing more than just you know chew on it for a little bit, spit it out because it's lost its flavor, and you move on. Uh, trick or treat has has staying power. Yeah, you take wrong turn two away. Most people would be like, oh, that was a movie. Uh, but trick or treat, you can't ever take trick or trick or treat away. That that would just ruin the future of all these anthologies, and like y'all were talking about. Doherty, he's building, he's so good at holiday horror. Yeah, he is. I just need him to do all the holidays so he's basking in their glory. And that's the thing, mm-hmm. like, you, you, you've you got, like, fucking six wrong turn movies at this point, and people are begging for news. Sure, mm-hmm. 12, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and people are begging for a trick-or-treat sequel, which he teases from time to time. I mean, that should tell you something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that... I was going to say that if we took away Wrong Turn 2, we would not have any more Joe Lynch horror movies. But that being said, how many Joe Lynch horror movies are there? So, um, and I think eventually there would have been a Wrong Turn 2. There would have been a Wrong Turn 3. But fucking... I mean, May- Mayhem is legit. I mean, Shudder just picked it up. It's it's solid if you guys haven't seen it. No. Oh, that's excellent. Okay, Shudder is picking that one Shutter up? Shudder is. Yeah, they just sent out the uh, the press release like yesterday. Perfect. Oh. Then there goes our Shudder shout out. Uh, <laughs> so there we go. We got that taken care of organically. Um, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I just think the horror world would be remiss without Trick or Treat. Um, every single kid who loves Halloween would be remiss without Trick or Treat. 
this is one of the most important movies. You know what I'm saying? And we would miss out on hobo-esque Brian Cox right? and his old man curmudgeoning fucking, fucking Sam, an instant icon. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He is, I mean, he is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, to me, this is kind of a no-brainer. Um, and as it is, then, yeah. uh, the uh, for our next segment, we, we will... We didn't have to show a lot of work. for <laughs> We showed our work. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think anyone's going to call shenanigans on this one. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have Wreck taking on Trick or Treat. So that's going to mm-hmm. be... I'm anxious and curious to see how that one happens. And to help us do so, we are going to have uh, Nick Spacek from the From and Inspired by Podcast. Uh, our listeners also, he uh, guested on our Fright Night episode. That's so. right. Yep. Uh, but because we were able to get down to wreck and trick-or-treat that is all thanks to our fabulous guests from the phantom podcast network jacob and luke from the modern horrors podcast the modern horrors website um guys guys thank you so much for taking Mm -hmm. the time out and doing this yeah no problem thank you guys for asking us to come on uh this is a lot of fun is movies that i haven't frankly haven't thought about in a really long time other than trick-or-treat because it kicks ass but uh Yeah, I mean, this is really fun. So anytime you guys need anything, and uh, if you ever want to return the favor and come on to the Modern Horrors podcast, uh, just uh, say the word. And done and really done. really appreciate the invite, guys. We had a great time. And uh, let me just say personally, thank you for having a good, solid horror podcast that uh, you're not embarrassed to listen to when you're not horror friends coming to the room. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, and thank you for keeping me smiling and just keeping me up to date on all the good stuff as well with the horror business. Um, I do appreciate it. Um, so, again, where can our listeners find you guys out there on the interwebs? Um, fucking anywhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> Google Podcast, you'll find us. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> iTunes, of course, anywhere that ties into the iTunes feed, so Podomatic, uh, Pocket Cast, whatever. Uh, of course, the iPhone podcast app, Google Play Music, Stitcher, all that stuff for the podcast uh, called the Modern Horrors Podcast. Again, we're not the most inventive when it comes to that shit. Uh, of course, modernhorrors.com is not just me and Jacob, but a, an entire team full of people really making that happen. So written reviews, uh, guest editorials from uh, you know directors and filmmakers and scoring people like uh, – effects artists all of that shit if you want like an inside look written by the people that do that shit uh go to modernhorrors.com click on the thing that says the insider for some really cool content over there for some uh really really awesome people working in the genre uh and for reviews and shit so yeah well hopefully all 12 of our listeners will meet with all six of your listeners and form to combine some cronenbergian kind of uh creature here don't dream it <laughs> but when we come back guys we have wreck we have trick-or-treat we have nick spacek and we've got one more place in the frightful four mm-hmm. we'll be back hey this is pj souls and you are totally listening to nightmare junkhead Woo-hoo! keep listening all right gang we are back and we have slashed four horror classics down to two mm-hmm. and we're going to continue slashing our way to see who's going to be joining martin the dream warriors and event horizon in the round of the frightful four and to do so we are bringing in another special guest uh who has actually talked trash with us before uh-huh. uh you've heard him back on our fright night episode uh you can read his work all over the internet including uh, at cinepunks uh starburst magazine pitch kc uh he hosts one of my favorite soundtrack podcasts uh welcome back to nightmare junkhead from the from and inspired by podcast nick spacing hi guys What's how's, up? How's it going? Uh, it's going really well. Yourselves? Yeah, doing really well, actually. Thank you for coming back in with us. Mm-hmm. Um, this is always nice because I was actually just... Okay, so a little insight here. I was just upstairs taking a leak, uh, <laughs> clearing the pipes before we started recording, and uh, in my bathroom, I have this little... Uh, 
print that was put out for our horror show series that we did up at the Alamo. Yeah. And you were on our Fright Night episode, mm-hmm. and which was in conjunction to a 35 millimeter screening of Fright Night. And that came out around the end of May. So I think it's like a yearly thing oh, okay. in May or June that you have to come on. Spring into summer. Very much so. <laughs> uh, so again, yeah, thank you for talking with us here. Um, before we get into anything, please, this is the part, plug, promote, social media. Where can our listeners find you on the social media? Where the, can they read your stuff? Get uh, shameless. You can find me on the social media at Nuthouse Punks. You can find the podcast from and inspired by at from inspired pod. And uh, that is the website is from and inspired by dot com. And uh, yeah, like we've been doing some bigger episodes, which has been kind of fun. We got to talk with Matthew Sweet about being in Ming T for the tw- like and that came out the day before the 20th anniversary of Austin Powers International Man of Mystery and uh yeah it's been really cool being able to like expand things and like the next episode that'll come out probably after this one does is we're going to talk with Professor Pizza who is the frontman of a band called Axe Slasher who you may know from such movies as Deathgasm and Pool Party Massacre and uh, oh, we'll even have a pool party massacre DVD to uh, to uh, give away. Oh man, I nice. said get shameless. You got yeah. shameless, man. I like nice. that. <laughs> You're gonna have to come with a parental warning on this one. You're a good whore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad it's getting in. It's expanding too, and I I really like the way the the format of the podcast uh, because it number one it can go anywhere from like a five minute episode to a thirty minute episode, uh, which I I like the variety in that. Um, secondly, so that being said, how did the podcast? Come about uh it came about because i had done like another podcast that was like an extension uh just like a podcast version of a a radio show i did in college because i just wanted to keep it going and having have an excuse to just buy records and play them yeah but um like that never really got any traction i want to say i almost hit like 150 episodes (laughs) and i think i think i finally stopped it at like 143 And, like, nobody, it never really caught on or anything, and so I was like, okay, I want to keep doing a podcast, because I've got, like, I bought the equipment, I should probably keep making use of it, and so I was trying to figure out, I was like, what's a thing I like, but, like, I didn't want to, like, step on anybody else's toes or do something that anybody else was doing, I'm like, nobody's talking, like, soundtracks, like, there's... There's a lot of really good like film score podcasts out there. There's like the Damn Fine Cast. Mm-hmm. There's the Sound of Fear, um, and like I enjoy all of those a whole bunch. But like I like I came to it like I like soundtracks. Like that was that was my jam. Like and it still is. Like that mm-hmm. like buying like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, yeah. Pump Up the Volume, like all of those like on cassette when I was like in high school, like. Like the singles soundtrack, I wore it out. The cassette, the cassette singles back in the day. No, 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 no like singles. The singles. The oh, movie. the actual no. oh, the sing- oh, singles. Yeah. The movie. I went no. way far on that one. Oh, yeah. I'm right with you. I did with have the... a bunch of singles though. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I had a ton of my little Walkman back in the day, yeah. man. And, and the great thing about the great thing about soundtracks, when because I, I collected them too, I loved them. And I still do. Is they're like buffets. Of good music. Oh, yeah. You know, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little different genres, you know, like uh, the Pulp Fiction one was a good one. Uh, the, I loved Shaun of the Dead's one, you know, just a lot of good stuff. It's like such a good way to find out about music. Like mm-hmm. the, the the vinyl reissue of the single soundtrack that just came out, like there's this 
there's a little essay by Cameron Crowe in it, and he talks about like how that soundtrack was basically just like a mixtape of like the the scene at the time, and and because it's a mixtape and it's all music that that he enjoyed and everything, it's it's perfect. Like I never get tired of it. This is literally the third format I've owned that soundtrack on. Like I bought it on. So wait, so it went did cassette, CD, and now vinyl. The circle is complete. Yes. <laughs> there's no, there's something to be said for that. In fact, I'm actually taking my notes on the Tough Turf soundtrack, Ooh. which I found recently. Which yes, uh, which does feature the excellent Tough Turf song by Southside Johnny. It's uh, it's quite good. <laughs> this is one I was really excited. But you mentioned the fact that yeah, there are a lot of really good podcasts for scores, but you've there you've got a handful of people that are focusing on the actual soundtracks. So you found a really cool niche, um, and then obviously some of the soundtracks now so i've i've talked about this on before on the episode uh, on the podcast before i found i finally found the return of the living dead on oh, vinyl yeah how much did you pay for your copy uh, i don't want to say but at <laughs> the time i had to call my then wife and actually ask it was an, it was pricey enough that it was it required a phone it, call it was a permission price yeah permission <laughs> price it was a very like long me just waiting until it showed up online for cheap and even then, I want to say it was like cheap is like twenty five bucks. Certainly. Well, then they they just did the whole re, they repressed it again. Twice. I know, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" But there's a, there's a joy in that though, the fact that we are getting not only these great scores being refound, but the soundtracks as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Did you have any true, in- true romance is coming out this summer, and I like on vinyl. I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying to think of. Okay, there's Billy Idol in that one. I know there's the White Wedding snippet I hear in True Romance. I always there's that Hans Zimmer. Yeah, the the score is actually coming out for the first time too. Like two different labels. Like one's putting out the the soundtrack, and another one is finally putting out the, the score, score for like the first time. Wow, what a what a time to live in. Just in terms of all the cool ass shit that's coming our way. It's really hard on my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of soundtracks and movies, is there any movies recently that like has that in my, your opinion is a killer killer soundtrack? It's not like new new, but I would say like of the most like the one that I keep coming back to it, the the World's End uh-huh. soundtrack the the last like at uh, the Cornetto trilogy mm-hmm. yeah. uh, conclusion like it's all of this like Brit pop like. It's like uh like Happy Mondays, Primal Scream, uh Teenage Fan Club. It's it's a perfect like I need to get stuff done, but you don't want like rock, but you don't want like it it's just so good. It, and not there's not a lot of dialogue snippets on it, but the ones that are on there are choice. Nice. Edgar Wright, if anything, has impeccable taste, whether oh. it be music, film, what have you. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Baby Driver. Oh, man. I've heard nothing but good It's like another soundtrack, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. that is one that I am just, it just, every new trailer, I'm like, I want to see it more. <laughs> oh, he's, I, I, he's one of those guys that I just, he's one of us, but just infinitely talented i mean you know just in terms of he's a true he's a dork he's a nerd oh yeah on a hardcore level uh but holy shit does he have talent we uh we're actually just i was trying to find them this old clip where he was on this uh british like morning television show and he had just finished putting together his like first short film and he's just so adorably 90s looking because he's got like the little hair part down the middle he's got a vest on <laughs> really looks kind of the same way he does now uh but the the little short it's fantastic because it's totally like 
just all Sam Raimi. It's just him <laughs> being Sam Raimi, and there's a charm to it, and it's just obvious. But it's like from obvious from the get go, the kid had some talent. So good for him. Yeah, good for definitely him. good on him. And well, speaking of Edgar Wright, you know he actually got his start with Shaun of the Dead horror. Uh, what was your initial start into horror? What was your origin? You know, I was trying to think about that uh, when you, <laughs> you 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 mentioned that uh, on Facebook the other day. I was like, what? What was it? And I realized it's as, as near as I can pinpoint. It was I had a friend who lived like down the block and his name was Larry Cole. And he was like one of those kids whose parents like had the two VCRs. Ooh, OK, OK. We <laughs> so, were just talking about that. Yep. So, yeah, they have the, they have the two VCRs uh, and, and they were the families that, you know, everything they rented, they just recorded it as they played it. So. He, one night, I stayed the night over there, and we watched Children of the Corn and The Gate. Ooh. Ooh, okay. okay. Which, by the way, I maintain that would be a great double feature anywhere, uh, just because Outdoorsy one's, one's, kids. one's creepy kids, the other's kids getting creeped out. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I came home, I came home, and I told my dad's like, oh, you stay, uh, how was staying the night over there? Oh, it's good, we watch movies. What'd you watch? Uh, we watched Children of the Corn and the Gate, and it was like, you can't stay the night over at Larry's anymore. Oh. Um, which was, and, and the weird thing was, like, I, you know, like, I watched horror growing up. Like, I had, like, my favorites. Like, Monster Squad is still, like, tippy top, like, top five movies of all time, or, like, popcorn or things like that. But like I didn't really like hardcore get into horror until like I graduated college and then I found myself I'm like, oh I've got time. Like, <laughs> what, like I <laughs> idle hands. Yes. Yeah, I would like I would watch movie like the movie <laughs> the movie that got me through college that I I watched every paper I wrote for three years when I went back to school was Return of the Living Dead. Like I would literally because it was one of those movies at that point I had seen so many times I could just like throw on and mm-hmm. like let it go in the background and not have to pay attention to it. you can just look up and you know exactly where you are in the movie. It's a way of life. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that James Karen white noise. There's something about it really that. No! <laughs> so yeah, that uh, and then it's just been me like, well I like this so I'll find this and then now we've got like all of these companies that are putting out movies oh, that I Jesus. never thought I'd be able to see like cuz we've got Arrow and we've got Scream Factory and then you've got like your your Even up- more specialty like Severin and Vinegar Syndrome Oh my god yeah uh, like, <laughs> I still haven't watched I didn't buy anything dur- for from Vinegar Syndrome or Severin uh during their Memorial Day sale cuz I still haven't watched everything that I bought the last, the last time both time. <laughs> that sale <laughs> You know, it's only a problem if you want to get rid of it. Just keep that in mind. No, we've talked endless about all the blu- <laughs> boutique Blu-rays here. How did I get two copies of the Jekyll and Hyde syndrome? Uh, <laughs> you know, what's going on? That's sweet trash. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, actually, when we first started hosting at the Alamo, we, they we had... Did, we did the vinegar syndrome. We did the dirty ones. And it was always interesting because we were always just kind of anxious to see what kind of crowd would show up to these. And a lot of them were really well attended. Uh-huh. And I mean, for the most part, vinegar syndrome, they do well. We uh, had we were going to have James on from there. Uh, they always do well at the um, at the conventions and everything. So there's a crowd for those films. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. It's just it's so weird. Some of the Blu-rays we're getting. Oh yeah, I just got done watching. Uh, like when I during their last sale, I just bought like almost every Linnea Quigley movie they had because I was just like, 
screw it, they're half off. Like why not? I didn't buy Witch Trap because it's not on. It wasn't on sale, and I couldn't justify spending that much. But like I watched Murder Weapon, Deadly Embrace, and Nightmare Sisters. Nightmare Sisters. Yes. Oh my god. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's glorious. I love the fact. Like I, I had never seen Nightmare Sisters, and most people haven't uh, until they put it out, and mm-hmm. it was like. Yeah, oh, this is this is Sorority Babes and the Slime Bowl Ballarama 2. Yes, very <laughs> yeah, A lot of it is super recycled, but it, it's fun. It oh, is really so fun. fun. And it's Linnea. She was always she always she was always the best part of those films. Oh yeah. She knew what yeah. she was in. She uh love her, love her. Uh that's kind of rad wonderful. though, just in terms of uh Children of the Corn and the Gate, in terms of Oh yeah. And we've that's talked good. about it before, yeah. the gate being kind of a gate advanced level gateway film mm-hmm. for kids getting into horror. Uh did it freak you out? Yeah. Uh Children in the Corn, like, neither of them freaked me out. That was always a weird thing. Like, I wasn't, like, huge into horror as a kid, but, like, every time I'd watch one, I'd just be like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Like, getting, yeah. getting like, a copy of Evil Dead from the video store that's so old and so degraded that I couldn't watch it through our TV. I had to, like, run it through the stereo because if you watched it through the TV, like, our TV was old enough, it made it the was- speaker, it made the whole, s- like set vibrate see that's some william castle like <laughs> shit's coming through right there <laughs> but, okay so you went to school up in lawrence and um did you was it a liberty video did no, you know I, I went to school at i went to school in lansing that's oh, where I grew okay up. okay so it was what was the video store give him a shout out oh my god um, uh because i can't remember oh, it wasn't no. family video uh it, oh god i can't even remember and there were oh, two no. and like That's... i could bike there like that <laughs> was that was also the thing my parents were like the cool ones who were just like so i could rent stuff without like you had like it was the parental permission i had the parental permission where i could rent anything and they're just like because i got a golden ticket my friends were like what you can rent anything i was like yeah, I just have to make sure it's back on time. Right. And, and the thing was, because my parents knew, like, I'm not going to take advantage of it to, like, watch, like, skin flicks or whatever. It was just so I, like, l- most of them were, like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, Steven Seagal, like, action Action movie. genre flicks, man. Mm-hmm. There's there's an education to be had there, but I'm glad to see you didn't go behind the room, behind the beaded curtain. They didn't you know? have one. Oh, no, that's a bummer. No, I don't think we actually had one of those in either Lansing or Leavenworth. I don't think there was, like, the dirty room. So it, boner jams were about as good as you were gonna get. Yeah, and they they served the purpose. We had purpose. HBO for a while, so oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, that's see, that's all go. you need. That's all you need. It's an education. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're looking at we're uh, breaking down now two films from 2007. These are our last two that have gone through. So mm-hmm. I kind of want to just ask you, um, Nick. We we always kind of talk if you know people can form relationships with films. Um, you know, just you know how many times they've watched them, uh, the context and this and that. Were there any films in the 2007 bracket that you saw that you have a relationship with by any chance? Trick or Treat is a movie that it was that one where I heard about it and it got delayed for so long because there was the trailer was on was before some movie that came out on video and I can't remember what it was, but it was like, what the hell's this? Mm-hmm. This is this looks so cool. Look at everybody who's in this. Look at the, what's that little dude running around? What the hell is this? And then it never came out in theaters. That was like the thing that, and then it just got dumped straight to video. Like, and when the, like, you know, as, as a, as a horror nerd, like you find out something's coming out and like you show up at like Best Buy or something, like when they open and they have like two copies 
and so you buy and now it's like in bargain bins for like four dollars but like i was like do do you have trick or treat (laughs) i think so and yeah no, that's you. Well, I was lucky enough to see it at Screenland uh, back when they were off of like 17th and Washington, way back mm. in the day. But you, we talked about it the last segment. Is there was a lot of hype for it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Did what? Did you go in more cautioned at that point? Because obviously you're you're a fan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so. Did that? Did that maybe help the experience a little bit more when you finally saw it? I, there was a whole bunch of hype for it, and. That was so, you know, you any movie where it's been like built up and you've been mm-hmm. waiting for it for so long, you're like, okay, I need to like step back. I need to like, like not necessarily lower my expectations, but definitely make sure that I'm not f- like expecting gold. Right. Like, at the very, <laughs> like, like, it's fine to expect bronze. And and that way, you know, you get silver or gold and you're way excited. So we uh so yeah, I watched like I bought it, took it home, watched it, and I was just like It's a movie to me, the reason I really like it is because it's a really fun movie to show people. Because like, it's 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 not particularly gory. Like it's violent, but it's not like really bloody. There's some cute stuff. And also what's fun about it is like once you've seen it the more you watch it, the more stuff you notice. Like where yeah. you see you see the characters from different segments walking by in the background of other segments uh-huh. or like an offhanded line like will like make sense. And it's it's so much fun. Yeah. Every- like, I think it's just because it's fun. Like it has a definite sense of itself mm-hmm. if, you, if you look on my notes i have the word fun underlined with an exclamation <laughs> mark it truly is it truly is um i think it's definitely one of those films that in terms of anthologies because we've talked a yeah. lot about anthologies it's one of those films that you can pretty much show anyone in fact the modern horror guys mentioned they tried to get some people in non-horror people into a horror film and he showed them trick-or-treat so i think there's something there's special about that mm-hmm. some because we're hardcore horror fans oh yeah and we love it but it's something you can show non-horror people right and people don't think you're a freak because you don't want to like hey you got to check out this movie it's awesome oh yeah i like movies it's a foreign film <laughs> cool what is it uh, it's a serbian film um <laughs> educational kind of you know well, yeah, you'll uh, learn a lot about yourself yeah, <laughs> right what not to do and so <laughs> uh but i think it's a good way not necessarily a litmus uh thing but it's definitely a it's just a friendly could you could we can it's call accessible this a, it's a very yeah, a accessible gateway horror, horror film uh-huh. for non-horror people it's the it's one of the movies like every year uh my friends from high school and everything like we get together and we go to a pumpkin patch and then we go back to somebody else's house to like watch a movie or five uh, <laughs> and like somebody like whoever's house it is makes like like a pot of stew or a pot of chili or whatever and like everybody like we spend all day like just screwing around at, at a pumpkin patch and then come back and then late afternoon through the evening watch movies and because it's been like our house is the not the necessarily the biggest but has like the biggest living room area that we can fit like 15 people into we'll like <laughs> we'll watch m- movies that I have and uh like trick or treat was one of those I'm like oh you guys haven't seen this like mm-hmm. I think you'll like cuz it's one that you can watch and now that like a couple of my friends have kids like you can put that on and it's not going to like warp a child um 
like we've watched that like we watched detention <laughs> that, that, that's that's weird yeah that, <laughs> detention's weird <laughs> but it's it's not going to scar a child no that's that time traveling dane cook one yeah that that's that's the one where somebody described to me it, like i was like is it any good and they're like it's a little slow at first but like once you get to the time traveling bear it really kicks and i was like yeah cool like yeah. you had me at no. time traveling bear three it's, words you need together <laughs> yeah it, it definitely i'm like well, I was about to dismiss it, and then it got really weird. And then it so. got really weird. Then we know weird is up your alley. So. <laughs> I know there's yeah so much good stuff with Trick or Treat of the cast in itself, oh, which I, it's I don't know maybe if it's just the it's very classy in terms of the people they have. You know you have Oscar winners in there, yeah. Which I Anna Paquin, Brian, I love the fact they've got these serious um um the guy from Happiness, what's his name? Uh, Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> Just forever casted, unfortunately, as just a little. You don't want you know him alone with your kids, basically. No. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, so I love that it kind of gives it a little bit more gravitas. And and it's also great the fact that you're saying that you watch it after going and seeing a pumpkin patch and stuff. It makes sense. It's a great like a good movie for that time of year. Oh, it's I mean because even non horror fans dig horror for in October but people like us where it's Halloween every day you know I mean <laughs> so it's something good that we can actually show them and it just encapsulates what Halloween is all about it is like I mean like because you call a movie trick-or-treat and like and it's set at Halloween it's set on Halloween and mm-hmm. there's actually it, the more I watch like I thought it would be a movie that would be like oh I'll enjoy this and, but every time like I said, like every time I come back to it, I find something new to enjoy about it. And it's, it also, like, I think what <laughs> really grabs me about it is, like, it's one of the few movies that has created, like, a new horror icon. Yeah. Yeah. And as, and also Werewolf Orgy. Which is <laughs> also Werewolf Orgy. Werewolf Orgy. Spoilers on is, that one, which has yeah. got all sorts of fun. As we say, it's a fun family film. You can dig in with the Werewolf Orgy. Let's just... It, but yeah, it's a tasteful Werewolf Orgy. It is truly tasteful. And that's the thing. It's an R-rated <laughs> film. I think yeah. just violence violence and what have you and terror. Yeah. But in terms of you don't really get any gratuitous nudity. And you don't need it in this film. I think that's what makes it and kind of elevates it above... Uh, some of the other stuff that's out there but it's scary too oh, i mean it, God, the, the, the school bus the school bus oh. the school oh. bus is terrifying which the is sc- as close as anybody has ever come to ripping off guillermo del toro and making it work and being okay with it yeah yeah because like it's it's not quite there but it's close and it's, it's like creepy kids with masks. I mean, like mm-hmm. that's a Guillermo del in a Toro swamp. thing in a swamp, yeah. and desolate, gothic yeah. looking. It's, it's it's great. That's I think that one, and then the last bit with Sam going mm-hmm. on again, Brian Cox. That one's fun, but also it's legit because he scurries. Little, he's tiny. Yeah, he's so. scary and climbing the you walls hear the and shit. Yes, the sound design on that. And like you said, he is an icon instantaneously with just a little couple of teasers and boom and a cover and you and you are a hit and well deserved so he's the to me sam sam hayne the embodiment of halloween why wouldn't he be a mascot you know i I just he's just a great little character i have a very tiny little sam that was like a one of those blind box horror toys Uh Mm -hmm. uh so i have i have him and he lives on a shelf in my basement that is high enough to where my wife can walk around and not accidentally glimpse it 
that was like the only rule because she's like no because they uh <laughs> like it was like mcfarland toys or somebody put out like an actual like action figure version and i saw it at like toys r us or something and i was like oh man and i was there with my wife and she's like nope putting the foot down she's like for sam li- yeah he's cute i know but he just creeps her out really yeah like and she will let me watch like the like the only rules are like no torture no rape and i'm like cool those are the two genres that i get squicked out by anyway right so, so we're good so we just i'm i'm allowed to watch pretty much anything else except ex- <laughs> no, here's the thing like i can watch that movie it's just like the idea of having a little tiny one in the house just like unnerves her which i think is a a mark in that film's favor absolutely right? she doesn't want the zuni doll to actually come back to life you know anthology you, films on, be damned on halloween put it on the dresser <laughs> with a little sentences trick-or-treat and then just but like, what is that whole elf thing that people do in christmas you elf could do that shelf. With, oh, you could do shelf. sam uh-huh. on a shelf yeah oh sam that's... on the cans or something <laughs> just sitting on the toilet right just kind of demystify him a little there. <laughs> yeah, no. You don't see your horror icons taking a dump. I mean, you don't see like Freddy Krueger like, with just, how am I going to wipe with these? You know, it's just like, <laughs> that's something that doesn't pop up. Really don't want to see behind that much behind the curtain. You know, you you need your imagination on a lot of that because Jesus Christ, I actually got a mental image of that now. And they're just, he's got actually for some reason he's got his hat off. It's on the side, actually hanging off the toilet paper. Or it's, he's just, got his hat off and it's rolled up in a towel like he's drying his hair, like <laughs> doing his nails. I'll be over in about five minutes, Jason. I'm just getting ready. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the imagery, man. The imagery. So again, trick or treat. Obviously, we're big yeah, fans. Yeah, back to of, trick or treat. No, <laughs> oh, no. We, we we can segue, but um, we're going then with just a really fun anthology film. Mm-hmm. Is going up against what I consider just a super scary found footage film. So your thoughts, kind of just you know reactions, what have you, with wreck. Now, what's interesting is I think that the pairing of these two movies is because they were both like movies that were really hyped like because wreck mm-hmm. was one of those i heard about like read about it on ain't it cool news mm-hmm. because it was like a screening and everybody's like this is the best zombie movie in like forever it's amazing it's scary it's spanish mm-hmm. um and so i can't even remember like how i finally tracked it down it was probably um <clears throat> not acquired like because you couldn't get it like in the states for the longest time so as you know like i found it and watched it on a computer monitor with you know weird subtitles and i just remember it's it is of all like like found footage movies are like hit or miss and Mm -hmm. you know they they've been discussed uh ad nauseum (laughs) but like that movie is claustrophobic as fuck like, even the scenes where they're in, like, a room and it's open and all of that, like, they figure out a way to make it just. And I think that's why it works so well is because it's just, it's intense. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 I don't think it's so much like most zombie movies or most found footage movies. Like, I wouldn't put it, like, with Paranormal Activity right. or The Blair Witch. And I wouldn't put it with, like... Uh, Night of the Living Dead or even like Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead it's it's like alien with zombies 
Yeah. That's a nice. I dig that. I dig that. The, the atmosphere, the claustrophobia, mm-hmm. the way they minimize the space, that truly does give you. You don't really see the zombies. No, no, right. very minimal. And you're and the great thing about, like you said, with, found, with a lot of found footage is always out in the open and stuff. With this one, you said, and I think it's because you are trapped in there with them, literally sealed in in this small room that adds the claustrophobia to the whole theme of the movie, which uh, plays very well on its part because I have said before, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage at all, but I'll watch Rack. So. And what also makes it work is like so many found footage movies, it to me, like fail because they don't have a reason to keep shooting. Mm-hmm. Like there's That's- so many movies where it's like, why are you running holding the camera in front of you? And it's like, <laughs> no, she's a reporter. Like the idea is she thinks she she's like, I'm here. I'm embedded with this. Like I'm, I'm doing my job. I'm going to get out of here at some point because, of course, I am. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I get out of this here? This is going to make a hell of a story. This right? is going to make a hell of a story. And, but hmm. even even the scenes where they're like running or they like drop a camera or whatever, it looks the way it would look when you're running with a yeah. camera. Like it's jostly and you can't really see what's going on. And that once again plays into like the whole idea of like obscuring and being scared because you don't know what's going to be around the corner and like what's in your brain oh so Mm. much scarier than what what you can actually see yeah no there's it's actually it does feel organic just in terms of the fact that they can carry on with what they're doing and and the fact that it's just a new twist on the zombie genre which at that point in time has been very stale and i'm and people are like, oh, I fucking hate zombie movies now. I still enjoy them, you know, yeah. especially the good ones. But this was a really good take. It was something new, something not only new in the zombie world, but in the genre. I mean, well, Nick, f- Nick mentioned it. Yeah, it's it's it go it kind of transcends a found footage and transcends mm-hmm. a zombie film, becomes its own little hybrid, if you will, because it really it is a multiple genre film, but done really really well. Yes, it, it's. What was what's hard for me is like there's so little Spanish horror that you like because like there's Italian horror, there's German horror, there's you know British horror, and then there's like all the various subgenres. But like Spanish horror is like something that is out there, but it's not like a huge thing. Like they never mm-hmm. got into it like the way the Italians mm-hmm. did, like in the right. '60s and '70s. Like the only Spanish horror movies I can even name like off the top of my head are like the Amando de Osorio, like the Tombs of the Blind Dead movies. Mm-hmm. And even those are still like that's still like super niche cult shit. Like that's not that, that it's not everybody's yeah. No, that's, yeah. Do you that, think, that's a blue underground thing, which <laughs> which I think is another, yeah, boutique yeah. Blu-ray. Well, do you think there's an unexplored um just untapped genre out there that exists and we just haven't found all the films or is it just they just didn't have enough of the the passion i just like from what i've gathered like it's not like a big thing they explored and also like if you think about it like during those eras like they were they had their own horror (laughs) (laughs) yeah well yeah truly yeah they had yeah they had franco like they they didn't need to really and that's like what going back to like the whole Guillermo del Toro thing mm-hmm. like most of like most of his stuff like his most affecting work is like that time yeah the yeah, ghost of our past yeah. the, the mm-hmm. nastiness that comes from it yeah no I'm very impressed with it um, the fact that it is an international film and it is subtitled 
this is one of those films you talked you guys both talked about it with Trick or Treat it's one you can pretty much throw on whenever you want especially during Halloween but right. it's a fun feel good film I don't know with Wreck this is one of those that I don't think I could just throw that one out to anyone I think because a lot of people have problems with subtitles I mean people just like does it have subtitles I go for to watch it mm-hmm. which I think is sad it's lazy I mean, it, it, it's because it is because you're missing out on a lot of great stuff but I think the fact that these there's there are subtitles in this movie but it's also sp- very sparse i mean you could basically if someone says hey what's the story these reporters mm-hmm. are trapped um and some zombies some demon zombies are popping up cool you know that's all you need to know it's it's so simplistic but done so well so it's it's very well made it's but again i think you just have to be in the mood yeah you I can't just, you can't just throw it on all the time and especially with the, the subtitles well and i and i don't want that to be a detriment to the film you know and you you talked about the claustrophobic i thought <laughs> yep. this would make a really good double feature wreck and descent actually because yes. that's yes. another one that who minus the horrors that that Ooh. exist within it just being in those caves mm-hmm. good lord have mercy so what is your guys opinions on the american remake I was just going to say, if someone has a problem with the subtitles, just give them quarantine. Right. and they'll, It's the same movie. It's exactly the same movie. They just added a little bit more things, get a little bit more gore, and they, I don't want to say simplified the plot, but they took the whole religious thing yeah. aspect out of it, which I don't think is a detriment to quarantine. I honestly am a fan of quarantine i i dug it a lot it's like you said maybe because it's the same movie i mean if you if you like if you Fry, like wreck right if you like wreck if you love wreck you're gonna <laughs> like quarantine if you like quarantine you're gonna love wreck so i think i i think it, it's just it, i'm not the biggest fan of making remakes of old or of, of foreign movies but i think with something like this i think it's okay mm-hmm. because they did it well and they stuck pretty much to the same story because there's not a lot of story there. Now, when you get into three and four and five or whatever, then oh, it yeah. gets it gets very story intense. But for right now, I think it was just right where it's at. Oh, that works. That works. Yeah. So that brings us then, just in terms of kind of sharing our thoughts here, one of these has to move on to the frightful, the round of the Frightful Four. Mm-hmm. So we're going to break down. We're going to show our work here. Through the ringer. Through the ringer, as we do. So... We, one of our specific questions that we have for the final two uh, films in each of the, the podcasts we've done are things specific to the era. Uh, for the 70s, we talked about which was had like the most dirty aesthetic. For the 80s, we talked about which one had the most grand practical effects. For the 90s, we talked <coughs> which one transitioned better to CGI. And so for the 2000s, we were kind of racking our brains going, well, what do we, th- you know, how do we approach you know, what is specific to this. So Genius, actually, right before we started recording, he's like, well, you know what would be interesting is which is a better representation of millennial horror? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, interesting. What do you think is millennial horror? And then we were like, I don't know. We need to figure that out. <laughs> so posing the question, and we, we talked to you a little bit before we put that forward, Nick, um, just in terms of, you know, if you think about horror in the 2000s, um, 2000 to 2010, specifically in 2007, obviously, but... What would you qualify? I mean, what would you think of when you think of millennial horror? Horror in the millennium. I would say, like, there's, I think, two things. Like, one captures, like, sort of, like, modern technology. Okay, okay. I would say that technology plays, like, a really big role in it. Um, Sort of, which I... Which is, you know, usually like a thing that works into horror is like modern technology mm-hmm. and like what it, but 
in terms of like millennial horror, it's like technology and like screens and like interacting uh, like media just in mm-hmm. general, I think is a really good way of looking at it. But I think there's also like another aspect of millennial horror, which is that you're looking like it's horror as being like reflexive, I guess, mm-hmm. like where it's it is horror that is referencing other horror. Like, I think at this point, like, the genre is big enough yeah. that it starts becoming this thing where horror works because it's playing off aspects of other things you've seen. And things mm-hmm. you enjoy. And, and things, things you they know work. Enjoy. Which, uh, unfortunately, that being, that that's each of the, one of those aspects applies to each of these movies. Yeah. But, uh I, I think you, I think you can combine those just in terms of uh, the fact that you know it's technology driven, more media interaction, and referential. And I was and actually, actually I was what I was going to say. What it is for me, it's incorporating the new while looking back. So you're doing that. The, you're showing nostalgic and reverence for the pioneers of horror and all the things that have come that inspired you. Mm-hmm. But you're also putting a new twist to it. Um, I hate to use this term, but I'm thinking kind of hipsters. Yeah, because no. because they take some of the their favorite items from the different decades and different pasts, bow ties, right. big ass unicycles, whatever, <laughs> right. And then they put them all together and they put a new filter on things. That's why you see them on YouTube or blah, 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 or whatever, you know? So that's when I think of millennial horror. I think of hipsters, yeah. but in a good way, not in like a negative, like fucking hipsters, but in like, you know, horror hipsters. Referential, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah. And re- with reverence. Um, yeah. New I technology would, and old. Yeah. No, I actually, I like the whole filter idea. And for me, it's just more of a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally we're hoping that the horror films we're, you know, we're focused on are made by younger film directors. So again, gives you more perspective, but I'll tell you just in terms of the two thousands, something I was always familiar with just is, is the remakes. And we talked about that oh, before, yeah. just in terms of that's, if it had a property <coughs> behind it, you know, you'd probably be more often to get, you know, something made. So that being said, in terms of millennial horror, kind of a based on what we're talking about, technology, um, reverence for the the the, the rev- respectful reverence and so forth uh we'll throw it out to you nick what do you think in terms of that works better wreck or trick-or-treat i honestly like <clears throat> i'm gonna have to like i'm gonna have to go with trick-or-treat just because it it's a new like the horror anthology is like something that has been present like almost since like the start of horror where it's just like a collection of stories but I think the way it works is because it's not it's not cobbled together like VHS or something like that with like this frame tale thing that it all takes place within. It is a movie where all of the stories are interconnected. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a, a that that m- modern update on the anthology and like the fact that it's it has a certain self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Because it is a movie about Halloween that takes place at Halloween. The characters are surprisingly well-developed. And while I enjoy Wreck a lot, I think... Like, the zombie movie and the found footage movie, like, there's only so much you can really say within those. Or, like, in terms of how they are representative of an era... And I think, like, the zombie movie is, like, one of those things that's sort of, like, you have to have a real fresh idea. 
and it works great as a film, but I think it's too much of other films to really work. Like it varies. I think every zombie movie after a certain point just reminds you of other zombie movies or other, you know, like whatever infinite regression, whatever mm-hmm. twist it is like, cause this is like alien with like zombies, but like aliens, mm-hmm. whereas like trick or treat is like, what is it? It's like, well, it's this horror movie and there are all these stories that intertwine and anything. And I think that's what makes it work is that you can't, like it's not like a three sentence. It's you can't right. give, you can't really give an elevator speech right, right. on trick or treat. It's like it's really fun. You have to watch it. Just trust me on this one, mm-hmm. which is which it which makes it like kind of a hard sell at times. But it's the one that people will watch. Yeah, and I think it. I think the mark of a movie mm-hmm. as, as defining its age is how much you can go back and rewatch mm-hmm. it. Like and. Wreck is a movie that doesn't have like a. It's really good, but it doesn't have like this massive rewatchability factor. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. Once you've seen it, you've that you've seen it, and it's good, and you'll recommend it to people. But I mean, it's not like anything that's going to like add to the canon. Sure. All right. Now I guarantee there's someone out there, Wreck fan, going, "You guys are full of shit." I watch oh, it every sure. goddamn day. Right, <laughs> that's on right now. Shit, I'm turning it off. I'm turning off this podcast and watching Wreck. Okay, so as I was describing my criteria for millennials, I kind of came up with my already decision. Okay, and I can't really justify explaining one without explaining the other. So Show I'm gonna work. I'm gonna give out. I'm gonna tell you both my head and the heart. Okay. So, first off, let's go for head. When we're talking about millennial, I think I'm going to go with wreck. Because when I think the term millennial horror, what brings new perspective to horror genre? I have to go with something new, something fresh, versus something that's been done before. That being said, it's not that not the trick or treat isn't great, but there's anthologies out there, sure, uh, horror anthologies that are. There's other zombie movies that are out there, but there's not. Before Wreck, there was never a zombie found footage that like 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 this, mm-hmm. and it played so well and so big. It incorporates whatever what what my criteria for millennial was, reverence for the old. With just zombies and the and the fear of isolation mm-hmm. and bringing the new technology into it, which is the found footage. So for head, I'm going with wreck. For heart, I have to go with trick or treat. It's more fun. Now people are going to say, "What about you know? It brought new stuff. It brought a new icon. It did bring a new icon." But the great thing about that. It's also a benefit and a curse because yes, it did give us a great icon, but it could that could be at any time point. There's no uh, trick or treat is timeless. It's significantly to me the better movie. That's why I'm going with heart. But for 2000s aesthetics, I have to go with wreck. So, so you're gonna go with so for the millennial millennial wreck. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, man. Oh, okay. So. Uh, you guys both present really, really damn good arguments here. This is t- this is a tough one, uh, just because I do feel that as you both met, this is Jesus Christ. I'm, <laughs> I'm just gonna just not be nearly as eloquent as you guys. No, I would say you really can't go wrong with either of these. But again, in terms of something that I think that 
maybe a younger person might actually go and kind of um, gravitate towards. An th- actual millennial? Yeah, someone <laughs> thinking through their perspective, so let me get the hair out of my eyes here. Um, no, I think they might go more towards rec, just because I think trick-or-treat, as fun as it is, I think it plays better to the people that grew up with some of the, not necessarily horror from the 80s, but just a lot of those themes, just a lot of the fun. And I, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of the people that are growing up now are so jaded and cynical that... They can't they, see the fun? They can, they can see the fun, but I think they might actually seek out something that's a little bit more dour and nihilistic and just kind of a downer, but stays true to this, the, the, the media at the time. So I for that, I'm going to say, I'm going to go Willennium here and just go Wreck. For the millennial. So that being said, the final criteria so far for our last three ones, um, you know, from 77, 87, 97, down to 2007, 10 years have passed for these films. 10 years of which we are still talking about wreck and trick or treat. So the question is, 10 years later, which film are we going to still be talking about? Wreck or trick or treat? It's a tough one. This is a tough one. I find it hard because I don't necessarily know. It's that weird thing. Like, I don't know, like, which movies from. <laughs> trying to. Man, this is that. Like, I'm trying to think and talk at the same time, and it's just not working. No. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Movies that. They just. It's hard to play detective like that, but. I don't know necessarily if either of them will be movies that we'll be talking about in 10 years because they're yeah. both I I feel like they will be appreciated genre-wise, but I almost feel like in the 10 years since then there have been like there's that that was right before sort of the explosion of digital video and the fact that the number of the sheer number of movies that just get released every year now and because of the number of platforms on which they're able i feel that m- movies that haven't already achieved classic status won't will like they might not ever like make it cuz there's just too an much oversaturation of there's, it there's there's an oversaturation and I, I think that's going to be the thing. I I'd like to think that both of them will will find their audience and keep getting watched. But I just feel that at this point, like anything, almost before, I'd say like the the late '90s, like it's just going to be so much harder for those movies, even when they're as good as Trick or Treat or Wreck, to really rise. And, and get the attention just because of the sheer amount of chaos that is like Netflix, Amazon Prime, oh, yeah. Hulu, just like the number of things that you can watch at any given point that just keep like dozens of movies every month. It's it's insane. It's insane. So if you had to throw it out there, though, just a guess, trick or treat or wreck 10 years down the line. I'm going to go with trick or treat and it's not even, it's not like a quality or personal thing. I like honestly think the, the reason like more people will be watching it is just because it has more names. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've got, you've got, you've got Brian Cox and Anna Paquin and you've got Dylan Baker and you've got like, uh, kid from bad Santa. I mean, come on. Kid from bad Santa. Like you've got all of these people who Thurman Merman. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think honestly, like that's, that's what that's what's gonna make it is that there is just you have names and people will be like, oh, Anna Paquin was in a horror movie with like before True Blood, mm-hmm. where she played a werewolf. <laughs> In an Wait, orgy. Was she a werewolf or vampire? Spoilers, spoilers. Uh, no, she was a werewolf. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, really. oh, yeah. I forgot they had all that in She there. was in their werewolf orgy. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, from Trick or Treat, but... Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. In True Blood. No, she was in... True Blood, she's yeah. a vampire. She's See, a vampire. Okay, there we okay, go. Okay, I got... I, she's a monster. I thought you were all crossing... She, yeah, no, no, she's no, no, a no, monster. No. She's doing orgies, vampires, werewolves, fucking imps, giants. She does it all. Fucking zombies. Does, there's, all, there's, does the whole there's thing. There's orgies and supernatural involved in both cases. Yeah, the, yeah. So. Apparently we need to watch that. So, uh, okay, so Trick Free, so genius. <laughs> ten years later, uh, who, uh, which film is going to be talked about ten years from now? Sounds, Rack or Trick or Treat? This one's hard because I'm also putting one through the criteria that I set up for Martin and where I'm talking about four horror people by horror people. So... You have the start of a franchise, which almost instantly is going to have make people talk. Okay, you have and also spawns a remake versus an icon, which they have. We haven't had another movie yet, but we have books. We have thus. We have mm-hmm. this. Do- there's no wreck action figures. There's no. There's no nothing. So I think. See, it's really hard because mm-hmm. somebody's like, "What's this?" They made four of these movies versus, hey, I keep seeing this kid, this little Sam. What is this? Mm-hmm. What? Who is Sam? Let's find out what movie he's from. And I think, I think for that reason alone, I'm gonna have to go trick or treat because okay. somebody's gonna be interested in Sam. Well, more people are gonna say like, oh, they made four, five, six wrecks. Uh, after seven, they're never good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's something like, it's something like that. Versus, oh wow, what is this little icon that people are talking about have tattoos on mm-hmm. and i'm sure there's people but i don't think anybody's gonna have that girl tattooed on their arm and from wreck but they have the sam let so, zombie at the very end there with the hammer yeah so, that would be so i'm going trick-or-treat okay that makes sense and for me it does come down to the fact that both are really good representations of their genres found footage anthology but i've got to come down to the fact that it, just trick-or-treat is more fun it's more accessible it's a it's one mm-hmm. that appeals to the horror fans and the ones that are you know that are just on the uh, the outer boundaries there the casuals yeah the, the, the plebes if you will <laughs> so for me I think because it is accessible and it is a, a horror movie that horror fans love for all the reasons you guys have mentioned for me it's trick or treat that being said yep. by sheer numbers alone with four votes to two are you guys comfortable letting trick or treat be a representation of the uh, Varietful Four? As long as we don't blow out the candles before midnight, <laughs> I'm good. Adhere to the rules, guys. So, yeah, holy shit. So, finally, in the Frightful Four, we will have Martin taking on Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Mm-hmm. Dream Warriors! And now, we will have Event Horizon battling <sighs> Trick or Treat. That's going to be a fight right there. Ooh. And this is where it ultimately comes down to you guys as the listeners. We're going to be um, putting these out to you. This is going to go by listener vote. Mm-hmm. Okay, so whoever gets the most votes between the two films will then move on to the final round. And that'll again be by listeners. And FYI, you one person gets one vote, so you can't be like... <laughs> Go on your Different Twitter. IP I vote address. for this, and then like I vote for that, and I vote da 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 da. It's the computer <laughs> version of the mustache, right? <laughs> but so we'll we'll tally them up, and we'll see who comes out ahead. And then of course, whoever wins, we will we will ultimately do a commentary track with that film. And let's be honest, you know, if it's trick or treat, you know, Nick, I think you should be sitting in oh, on I'd that commentary be more track. Than happy to. Uh, so uh, thank you so much for taking yes. the time out doing this with us. Uh, oh, just, you're welcome. Just breaking down things eloquently as Oz always. So again, where can our listeners find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at NuthousePunks. You can find From and Inspired by at From Inspired Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And you can find the website for the show at from and inspired by.com all right you guys get up on that one uh and then be looking out for the uh the professor pizza that's just gonna be so good so good all the death chasm you need oh yeah <laughs> so um this has been quite a ride man just yes in terms of, it's it's not officially over it's not over but we need one more winner we do um and we're gonna see what happens again so please guys uh you know when we tweet this out retweet if you wouldn't mind share show your it. work and indeed show your work show your work um so what you know what we are going to be doing this for 1988 we're yes. i should say for the films that are celebrating their 40 30 and 20 10 year mm-hmm. anniversaries uh, in 2018 so you know the invite is always open next oh so. wonderful and uh so i guess until next time guys uh this is greg d and i'm genius mcgee and we will see you in your dreams <laughs> <laughs>